0: Thank you. Oh, this is high. (laughs) Things are not usually high for me. I usually have to... I'm not sure how that's going to work. Oh, well. Uh, Before I get started, uh, Maya and I are thrilled uh, this weekend to have our family here. Uh, So uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and and their kids, uh, as well as uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law. And uh, they're here this weekend to celebrate... Uh, my in-law's 50th wedding anniversary, which was yesterday, so. So congratulations. Well well done. 50 years, honey. I think we can pull that off. Hold on. Okay. That still seems really high. Okay, so. When when Maya and I were were new parents, um, as nighttime approached, we our, our anxiety levels would grow and grow and grow. Yeah. Hold on, Noah, you, you'll, you'll be okay. Uh, we 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 desperately needed sleep, and we were afraid that we weren't gonna get it right. Obviously. Uh, so even even though uh, there were times when our, our son was fast asleep, we would be on edge, sort of just waiting for for him to start crying or, or for something to happen. Um, and then when he did wake up, we did the obvious things: we uh, he fed him, uh, changed his diaper, and and then we would try to to rock him back to sleep as as he cried and and sometimes cried <laughs> and cried and cried. Um, and and uh, there were moments in those late nights when I would think to myself, I can't believe I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life, which is like completely irrational, right? Because apparently children grow up and, and I'm not doing that currently in life. I, I, but I literally believed in those moments that, that this would last forever. Eventually he would fall asleep and, and I would crash back into bed and, uh, but but instead of falling asleep, I would I would lay there and I'd think, it's so quiet. Maybe too quiet. Why is it so quiet? And so then I would roll over to, to Maya and, and I would say, honey, can you check to make sure Noah's still breathing? I was so afraid and my fear just kept growing and growing and growing. So, um... It, because I was so tired, uh, and I had these irrational fears, uh, the, these these fears just became, kept growing, and becoming larger and larger and larger. This this night is going to last an eternity. Um, my wife, however, she was also afraid of being tired, right? <laughs> Uh, but she, on top of that, she had this very rational fear that when she could sleep, her husband would roll over and wake her up and say, Honey, can you check to make sure Noah's still breathing? But this is often how fear works, right? Fear and anxiety. Our fears become larger than life. And, and when this happens, um, we, we find it sometimes hard to move forward, imagining that the next day is, is, is never going to come. And many times we just want to move backwards to that place that is so familiar to us, even if that place was a terrible place to be. Remember, the people of God were slaves in Egypt for for 400 years. But God rescued them, and and God made a commitment to be their God and to be with them. Uh, And God has been providing for them and guiding them through the wilderness. But as soon as something goes wrong, the first time something goes wrong, their fears and their anxieties justifiably begin to grow and grow and grow. They're they're afraid of the unknown, just like so many of us, which includes a fear of God, not knowing God really all that well, and a fear that God will respond to them out of out of anger and and violence. In the same way that Pharaoh responded to them and and the gods, the gods of Egypt. This is why we will often see God portrayed in the Bible as angry, violent, and unjust. Not because that is God's true character, but because as human beings, sometimes this is all we know as we look out at at the world and as we look at our own lives. So as we read through the book of Numbers, anytime we see God as violent and unjust, we can assume that this is our humanity projected onto God, our humanity shining through. But when we see God as compassionate, gracious, and just, we recognize this as God's true character, the kind of character that we see reflected in Jesus. But as the people of God get closer and closer to their new home, as they get closer and closer to the unknown future that awaits them, Anxieties begin to rise. Uh, their fears begin to grow. So, so instead of moving forward, they decide to send spies ahead of them so that they know what the future will hold for them, so that somehow they can predict the future. So let's, let's listen as we read from Numbers chapter 13. Uh, we'll start in verse 17, but we'll, we'll jump around a little bit. So Numbers, uh, Numbers chapter 13. Moses sent them, the spies, to explore the land of Canaan, and said to them, go up there into the Negev and go into the hill country and see what the land is like, and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are are few or many, and whether the land they live in is good or bad, and whether the towns that they live in are unwalled or fortified, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, Be bold and bring some fruit back from the land. And then after after 40 days of this expedition, they come back to Moses and to the people and they give a report. Uh, So skipping down to verse 27. We came into the land that you sent us to, they say, and it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit, which was like this gigantic cluster of grapes. Yet, they said, the people who live in the land are strong, and the towns are fortified and very large. And besides that, we saw the descendants of Anak there. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go at once and occupy it, for, for we are, are, are more than able to, to overcome it. But then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we are. So they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored, saying, the land that we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants (laughs) rather than a land of milk and honey. And, And all the people that we saw in it are of great size. They're all giants. There we saw the Nephilim. The Anakites come from the Nephilim. And and to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the spies are sent out on a military reconnaissance mission. Once again, even though the people are free to be different... They can be whoever they want to be in this new life. Most of what they know is what they saw in Egypt. And what they saw in Egypt was faith placed first and foremost in military power and war. They trusted the military weapons of horses and chariots. But this isn't how it's supposed to be with God's people. They're supposed to be different. But it's a little confusing because this chapter starts with, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. So so wait a minute, is this God's plan for this military expedition? Now, once again, and, and, and I've been talking about this a lot, so if it's confusing, go back and like look at the last five ser- sermons that I've done. And, and when those are confusing, then schedule an appointment to, to talk to me. Uh, but uh, once again, the Bible is a, a tangled discussion uh, between God's divine presence, between God's caring presence and our complex humanity, both our, our, our strengths and our weaknesses, our, our successes and, and our, our, our flaws. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tangled, complicated conversation. And, and Jewish rabbis over the centuries have noticed this in a couple of ways, particularly in this chapter, um, when they, they look to, to the next book of, of, of the Bible, the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy, and in Deuteronomy, they, they, they recognize that, that God tells them to go into the land, but, but it's the people, and it's Moses who say, now first before we do that, maybe we should send some spies. And then Moses says, yeah, that sounds like a good idea to me. Uh, The book of Deuteronomy makes it very clear that this is not God's idea. This is the the plan of the people. Second, here in Numbers, they point out that in Hebrew, God literally says uh, in in verses 1 and 2, "'Send for yourself men to explore the land.'" Now, now this is in contrast to what is said in, in chapter 11, where God says, "'Send for me men who will help share leadership.'" Uh, th- th- this is when God was gathering people together to help Moses um, with the responsibility of leadership so that he wasn't having to do it all on his own. Send for yourself versus send for, for me. And so one rabbi explains it in this way. It's, it's sort of like a, a rich man who owned a vineyard. And so when he saw that the wine from the vineyard was good, he, he said to his workers, bring the wine into my house but when he saw that the wine was bad or had gone bad and turned into vinegar, he said, um, take the wine or bring the wine into your house, right? You get to have the bad wine. Uh, how many of you um, give gifts this way? <laughs> um, I mean, we might have to do that with this, this sort of... Uh, uh, all the ships out here in the harbor and, and hardly any gifts for Christmas. But, um, you know, give them the bad wine, but if the wine is good, then, then I'll, I'll take it. Um, and, and so essentially what this rabbi is saying with this illustration is, is that, that the good wine, like the really good wine, is God gathering us together to carry one another's burdens in shared leadership. That, that God says, bring for me People to gather together to, in shared leadership so that we can carry one another's burdens. That, that's good wine. But the bad wine or the wine that has turned into vinegar is our human tendency instead to gather together for a fight, to gather together to fight against our common enemy, whoever or whatever that might be. Or our human tendency to make an enemy out of people or things that we don't know or understand. Good wine... Or, or bad wine. Apparently, we like two buck Chuck. <laughs> we we like we like we like bad wine uh, because the spies set out uh, into the land with war on their mind, and when they return, the the report that they give uh, is is about their fear about what what could go wrong. And and that fear begins to grow and grow and grow. And so it's a land flowing with with milk and honey, with clusters of grapes that are so large that it takes two men to carry them. In other words, this land is like a paradise. This is consistent with, with God's promised generosity. In fact, it's better than they possibly could have imagined. But when their attention turns to to war, that they, and when they focus on war as, as their only way forward, their fears begin to become larger than life. But the people are strong, and, and their towns are, are fortified and large. And if that isn't enough, we saw descendants of Anak there. Uh, which is another way of saying they have giants. <laughs> we don't have giants, but they have giants. Uh, later in the, in the Bible, we hear that the descendants of Anak live in a land called Gath. And then later, later in the Bible, a boy named David has to fight a, um, a, a great champion from Gath, who is named Goliath. You've perhaps heard of Goliath, this, this giant standing almost 10 feet tall. They have giants. But wait, there's, there's even more than that. As their fear continues to grow, they, they conclude at the end of the report that it's not just some of the people who are gigantic. It's all of the people. They're all giants. And, and more than that, we saw Nephilim. Wow. I mean, now we're actually talking about these sort of mythical giant warriors sort of like Hercules. Hercules, who was half man, half God, who could not be defeated, right? The Nephilim were these these half human, half divine or angel uh, creatures that were infinitely larger than than the giants that are there as well. In fact, um, uh, later as Jewish stories begin to unravel about who who these mysterious Nephilim might be, uh, one of the stories tells us that Nephilim have a daily diet that consists of 1,000 camels, 1,000 horses, and 1,000 oxen. That's a lot of food. Now, uh, that particular detail isn't part of the Bible, but it illustrates this mythical, um, terrifying nature of, of where their fear has taken them. It's, it's terrifying. The unknown future is absolutely terrifying, right? Their fear has become larger, larger than life and it's harder and harder to move forward. Does the unknown future ever, ever feel that way to you? Does our, our COVID-19 world ever feel larger than life and is harder and harder to move forward? Uh, of course, of course, things can go wrong. Things will go wrong. Fear and anxiety are normal human emotions that, that are nothing to be ashamed of. But in order for us to move forward, it might be helpful to realize that a, that a fair amount of what we are afraid of, like the Nephilim, are more fiction than reality, there might be some reality, but it's, a lot of it will, probably won't come true. Do they really consume 3,000 large animals for dinner? No, of course not. Will all the bad things happen? And, and will all the bad things happen all at once like our fears tell us? No, more than likely not. But, but if it does, if all the bad things happen, and if they all happen at once, will we be left alone and with, without any way to move forward? No. What is left out of this report entirely is God's healing and caring presence with the people. I will be your God, and you will be my people. That will never change. What is left out of this report entirely is a community of people gathered together in shared leadership, so that all the people can move forward. What is left out of this report entirely is a community of people gathered together to help carry one another's burdens. So if our fears do come true, we're not alone and we don't have to carry it alone. No matter what happens, we are, are not alone. No matter what happens, we're following a liberating and healing God. No matter what happens, there is a future just on the other side of our anxieties that tends to be more real than fiction. Whenever we experience fear and anxiety, fear and anxiety that feels larger than life, No matter what happens, together there is always a way forward. Together, as a community of people, together with God's caring and healing presence with us, there is always, always a way forward. Please join me in prayer. Jesus, we pray that you would continue to, to help us be attentive to your closeness to us and your love for us. Help us to be attentive of all the the ways that you have surrounded us with people who care for us and love us. We pray that that as we encounter the uncertainty of our, our own futures and the uncertainty of our world, we pray that you would remind us again and again that you are with us and that you will never forsake us. Continue to guide and direct us as we move forward into the unknown future, we pray. Amen.